Hey guys, welcome to the Gymnasium Podcast. I'm Colleen Ruskin. I'll be co-hosting with Michael Hughes today, uh, talking about some myths about weightlifting, weight loss, and kind of bulking up. We'll touch a little bit on BMI and all, all of the good stuff that really goes into to training, the kind of the misconceptions that people have with training and how we can address those as trainers um, and help our clients better understand the process of fitness. Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Michael, what are some of the myths that clients have about weightlifting? So weightlifting in general, like this is a big one that comes up, is that a lot of women say, I'm going to gain a lot of muscle really fast and just keep the weight super, super light. And that's like a big one yeah. that comes out. Probably the, the biggest one, not saying just from females, but it's like, okay, I'm going to take it easy on the load here. I'm going to make sure that it's, uh, well, minimized in a sense. Yeah, light, light weights, high rep counts, right? Totally. Keeping it, keeping it uh, essentially like body weight almost in mm-hmm. a sense. Like almost so light. It's like nine pounds is not going to do much for you mm-hmm. in a sense. And also lifting weights is that like you're going to be able to lift and that lifting is going to like make this muscle look so awesome that once your shirt's off, like boom, there's the muscle. And it's like, uh, yeah, technically that happens, but it's like gift wrapped, you know, that muscle is yeah. gift wrapped and a little thing called, um, extra tissue. If you want to be nice, nice about it. Yeah. Or fat. Yeah. The, uh, the idea that you can do push ups and all of a sudden your chest is going to have less fat and it's going to be all muscle. Yeah. It just converts right away. Right. Which is more of a weight loss issue than a muscle gain issue, yeah. but it's essentially this, you know, in their mindset, it's the same thing that yeah. they're going to do that. Yeah. Do you think that you get more female clients or male clients that want a specific physique type where they come and they go, I want you to train me this way to look this way. Yeah. It, it, pre-gymnazo, like hardcore gymnazo, then yeah, it was a big deal when I was working at a, at a big box gym. It was definitely like the goals were for physique base. You know, basically you sit down at the table in the lobby and you basically like, okay, I'm going to predict their goals and it's to yeah. <laughs> gain muscle, lose fat. It wasn't even back then to get healthy. It was just gain muscle, lose fat. And it was fascinating because as you do that, you kind of look at the person's body type and let's say, you know, I'm going to break it down. There's three major body types and some people are kind of the twiggy types. They're just long, skinny bones people and they can eat sandwich after sandwich and, you know, whatever, popcorn or whatever, you know, whatever meal out there and they really have a tough time gaining weight. Yeah. They're going to have a tough time gaining weight. They're going to have a tougher time than already a hard time to gain muscle. Mm Mm-hmm. So you really have to put on hard. And then there's people that are just look like houses. Yeah. And, no, sorry. <laughs> they're, you know, they're just, they're just big boned human beings. Right? Yeah. And they're going to have an easier time putting on more weight and therefore more muscle. 
and they have the most of us are just kind of in betweens in a sense. Yeah, I mean, I know the, the, the brick shit house that was <laughs> yeah. commonly, you know, college soccer. That was our winter lifting season. You lifted really heavy, and it was not soccer season, so we got to we were eating pretty good, and there was a lot of pizza and beer diet then. <laughs> so we were just Perfect putting on training. the calories, putting on the weight, and yeah, I looked like a brick shit house by the time spring season <laughs> rolled around, but. uh you know, that's something I think, how often do you talk to your clients when they come to you with these physique goals? How, how do you play right into it? Like, by the way, let's talk about nutrition. That's always the second conversation. First, you describe how you can do it. Right? That's how I've always done it. You know, okay, yeah, you want to gain weight. Well, here's how we're going to do it. You know, we can do some isolation training here, but, you know, da-da-da-da. That's kind of, you kind of, you want, people want to hear that. They want to hear, buy the better biceps, do bicep curls. Yeah. But in reality, doing like a clean to overhead press is still going to build big biceps too. Yeah. So that's the first conversation. But then it's like, and, and then you kind of say it softly, and you have to eat a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't want to hear it. Because that's like, that's like basically telling them that their dog's ugly or something like that. You know, that's just something that they just don't want to do. But it's, that's the, that's the trick. And I love, um, gosh, what's the, um, Oh, what is this movie called? It has like Ben Stiller. It has um, they make make fun of like army guys. Oh, um, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah. Oh yes, and I just love it. Like they're like guys. It's pretty obvious to to make yourself look good. It's all about diet. It's all about diet. And I was like the first time, like yes, finally, like a Hollywood movie making fun of Hollywood. Yeah. Tells the truth. It's yeah. just about diet. Yeah. You have a six-pack underneath you. In fact, you relatively have an eight-pack underneath all of us right now. It's just gift-wrapped. Yeah. You know? In all the layers of goodness. Yeah, all the layers There's of goodness. There's a lot of layers of goodness there. Yeah. Eat clean. <laughs> That's exactly right. So what if you have somebody who does want to bulk up, what, where do you go with them? Mm. So, like, and I'm going to ask this question just for, I know what you mean by it, but, like, bulk up meaning they physically, well, that's a new word. I like that. Physically. physically, they physically want to look look better, or they actually just want to get bigger, like a football player. Just I want to play a, I want to play linebacker. Well, you're gonna have to put on 50 pounds, right? You know, so uh, physique. Do you want me to go there? Let, let's go physique. Like I want to look like Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Okay, and I am. How are you training me? How do I get there? I'm a, yeah, and I'm going to go like the medium build person, like the mesomorph person. Yep. You know, not you know, because he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. already yeah so the first thing i want to do is like i want to think about this one way is like a do you have the guts to do it yeah do you have the time do you have the focus to be in the gym that often because mm-hmm. we just get bombarded with magazines and movies and they've been training like eight months yeah if not more totally before that movie was even shot and then by the way they hit the gym kind of, in a sense, doing push-ups before that shot even happens. The extra pump. So they're already pumped up. Pump means a lot of blood in the muscles. So to me, like their body's already there. So it's really, anyways, there's a lot of smoke <laughs> and mirrors going on Yeah. In that, in that physique. So first of all, you're going to have to start doing volume. That's it. Define volume for volume us. Volume is going to be mass and repetition. Yeah. You got to put weight up a lot of times. Yep. And that, therefore, has a limiting factor to both because you can't do that much weight that many times. You can't do that many reps with that much weight, so you have to find that sweet spot. But before you even get there, and this is now me talking as a movement specialist, is like you're going to have to have the range of motion, the flexibility, which could take a few months to even get there mm-hmm. so you don't just bust yourself up on the shoulder or on the knee because you start loading yourself up on some back squats. 
Yeah. Which would be something I would definitely do. I would do a lot of compound lifts. Yeah. Deadlifts, squats, the, all the hypertrophy stuff, the, all this stuff that, I, that people do to train for football, mm-hmm. in a sense. I wouldn't do bicep curls. I wouldn't do tricep you know, uh, extensions. I wouldn't do shrugs until later. Much, much later. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just put as much uh, joint, put as much weight, as many reps as I can on as many movable joints at the same time as I possibly can. And then after that, I'm going to say, go and sleep <laughs> and rest and foam roll. Yeah. And don't even think about the gym for a good 24, if not plus 48 hours and sometimes 72 hours and then do it again. Yeah. Now there's a lot more details behind that, but the rest piece is so critical. Yeah. Because your muscles have to build from something. And if you don't rest, then they don't really get built. And that's kind of the craziest thing. I tell my four-year-old daughter this to help her go to sleep a lot. Hey, you got to sleep because that's when you get taller. And she's like, (laughs) really? I'm like, yeah, it's really true. It is. It's true. So uh, the rest piece is big. And then I wouldn't try to bulk up and get cut at the same time. I think a lot of people talk about that, and a lot of people kind of like, I want to lose weight and get bigger. It's like those are kind of paradoxical things. Mm -hmm. It's possible. It's just very, very, very challenging. Talking to my husband right here. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I won't say his name, but sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. He probably won't listen to this one anyway. But, you know, wanting to be super strong and super lean, wanting to lift the heavy weights, but then also wanting to be a good runner. You know, we're talking about two different types of almost body types, but two totally different yeah. methodologies for training. Mm-hmm. And then overtraining. I think there's also this big misconception that in order to reach fitness or to be fit, you have to work out to an extreme level every single day and to burn yourself out. But when your goal is hypertrophy, you're literally tearing muscle fibers to regrow them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you do need the rest days because your muscles actually need to heal so that you can put muscle on and they Mm -hmm. need to use nutrients and you need not just sleep, but really good sleep. This is something that I learned Mm -hmm. using whoop actually and listening to their podcast was talking about how REM sleep is actually more beneficial because that's when we recover. That's our body when heals itself. Mm -hmm. And that's when we, if you have crappy REM sleep, you're not physically going to recover and your muscles aren't going to recover. And then that makes it harder to continue to train at a high level. So if you go out, this is always the misconception, like Friday, right? Friday, you're like, oh man, we're going out tonight. I got to work out super hard at the gym. Work out super hard. We'll look good tomorrow. And then you go and you drink a bunch. You eat all the crappy stuff at happy hour. And then you sleep like crap. And then you wake up on Saturday and you pretty much washed your workout. It's like it's it's null and void because you just destroyed everything that you just did. If not with negative. Yeah. 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 Because it takes you X number of days to try and recover and like get back to homeostasis after right. that. Right. And that's that's like the typical life of at least a lot of the 20-something, 30-something-year-olds. And I'm not saying that's only the people who want those those goals, but it's really fascinating how you look at that factor and be like, hey, it is really hard. This is something that's going to take a lot of focus and a lot of time. It's super doable. I'm not saying it's, like it's impossible, but it's a focus. It's a big, big focus. And I think, I don't know, I, I, would, I really wish if I could end this podcast right now, I would say just eat better, sleep better, and keep yourself relatively mobile and yeah. moving. You know, exercise, yeah. go for a hike, climb a mountain. Yeah. Because that's still doing squats. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk about... Yeah, good thing we're not going to end the podcast right there. So <laughs> well, let's talk about also the the misconception that in order to lose weight, you only need to do cardio. Mm. So there's this really cool... I watch a lot of YouTube. I love YouTube. And there's a great ad going around this guy saying, you know, you know, guys, you do cardio. That doesn't burn fat. It burns calories. And I, I've seen that so many... The ad needs to stop. But it's... Anyways, he gets his point across. The point is that, yeah, like energy is energy. And there's a lot of types of energy. There's alcohol. That's actually energy. There's calories in alcohol. There's protein. There's carbohydrates. And then there's actual fat. And the body burns energy pretty much the same way or the same sequence it always does. Now, I'm going to get a little nerdy here because it's, it's kind of fun. Dive in. ATP, right? Identicin triphosphate is basically the lifeblood of energy from the body. Mm-hmm. And you have a store of that of about two seconds, I believe. If you stop, if body stops making ATP, that chemical, then you have two seconds in reserve and you die. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Anyways, so then it goes from in there all the way to basically fat, right? That's the other end of the spectrum. And from there, the body loves to burn all those kind of sugars in a sense, and then it, the carbohydrates, and then it goes to the proteins. But um, excuse me, then it goes to the fats, and then it goes to the proteins. Excuse me, I said it wrong. Like your body really doesn't want to burn protein unless it really has to, mm-hmm. like survival stuff. Mm-hmm. So the longer you work out, the more you're going to go to that fat stage. Mm-hmm. The shorter you work out, the less you're going to be in that fat stage. But there's a catch. If you work out super, super hard in a short burst of time, you're going to burn a lot of those calories. But then your metabolism, in a sense, your heart rate stays relatively elevated. This is a whole cult thing called, I think it's called Orange Theory Fitness, that one study that they based an entire franchise on. <laughs> but it's relatively true. You still burn calories after every workout, depending on the intensity. But yeah. that works for every single workout, not just Orange Theories. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Orange Theory. But there's every workout, every workout. Yeah. So in that sense, and then you got to burn, if you have to build more muscle like you were talking about, that takes energy as well. Mm-hmm. And that also comes from those same kind of long duration type of um, calorie sources. So if you want to burn fat, then A, don't eat too much fat. That's kind of, I mean, you know, butter's nice. But, yeah. you know, don't go too into that. And then really consider that you need to do energy. I don't want to say this. I want to say this simply. is that you need to be able to put in the amount of work. Work is the most important thing. Don't focus on slow cardio for one hour. Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. Put in effort and let the effort and then have that pull from your body's energy sources. That I mean, if I could summarize it, yeah, work hard, relatively speaking, for short bursts of time, and let the calorie expenditure let that pull from your body's energy sources. Yeah, that'd be my recommendation. Well, and we know too that if you get on a treadmill and you run a mile, first time you run that mile, that might be a struggle bus. Big struggle. Bus. But if you continue to do that and you just do a mile, your body metabolizes less and less as you get better, as you get more in shape. Right, more efficient. So all of a sudden, you're not burning calories, or you're not, you're not burning as much energy because you're in better cardiovascular shape. So that mile isn't, it's not as hard as it was the first time, right? Like mm-hmm. 10 runs later. So that's why people plateau. And they get, they get to a certain point, they're like, I'm not losing any more weight or I'm not seeing any more gains. It's because they've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. And your body goes, hey, we know how to do this really, really well. Mm-hmm. So because our body tries to burn as little energy as possible in that situation, right? So this is where when we talk about adding in strength training into a program, why are you going to see better gains 
by adding in some strength training into your cardio program. I see this problem with women, especially they only want to do cardio or they only want to do, you know, lightweights, body weight reps, high rep counts, and they hit these plateaus and they get frustrated and they leave away That's because they, they don't think that strength training has benefits. So for people like, you know, we look, we see these wild videos of the mountain and the rock uh-huh. and Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson and I don't even know the mountain's real name off the top of my head right now, but the amount of calories that they have to eat every single day to maintain that muscle mass. You know, I think when we look at women, especially we have a horrible diet culture where it's like, eat as few calories as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I used to call it with teenagers. I coached teenage girls forever. I tell them you can't come to soccer practice at two 30 and have not eaten anything all day since breakfast at 10. It's like you're going to pass out if all you had was a cup of ice chips and a big gulp of air before you came to practice. Because <laughs> that's what they thought. They wanted to be, you know, they want to be, they're very body conscious. Yeah. And I mean, it's even as we age out of that, we're still very body conscious. Oh, still I, had, there. I had six carrots and a half a salad today with no protein and no fats and fat for your digestion. And you're like, where are your calories? Like, you have no energy. We see headaches, we see fatigue, we see injury because there's no substance to support your tissues. But I mean, I personally love eating and that's why I (laughs) like to work out. But if I build muscle, I can actually afford a few extra calories because I want to maintain that muscle. My Mm -hmm. goal is not necessarily to be as rail thin as possible, but it's to be strong. And everybody wants to look good, right? Everybody wants to have low body fat percentage. And talking to to women about why that, that building muscle is so important to their overall health, even our older female clients to help prevent osteoporosis mm. and help with arthritis, how muscle mass actually is going to help. And it doesn't have to be this big, quote unquote, bulky look and how we actually have to eat so specifically to get that quote unquote bulk. Like every woman has their own idea of what bulky is for her, mm-hmm. but you can still lift weight and not get to that bulky hypertrophy stage. Yeah, hypertrophy and strength are two different things in a sense. And I remember uh, bodybuilding was my introduction to fitness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where I started it all, it really. It's just a hypertrophy, hypertrophy as big as muscles as possible. And at that point in like high school, I mean, I was pretty, looking pretty good yeah. in a sense. And then I went to said, I'm going to arm wrestle my buddy who literally works on cars, restores cars, like Model T's, the whole thing. And I'm like, Brent, let's arm wrestle. <laughs> and he crushed me. <laughs> crushed me. The dude had not like string, string being arms, but nothing, I mean, not compared to what I was working on. Yeah. And he, he crushed me. And I'm like, what? I was just, I was mortified, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I was like, I was really perplexed. I'm like, how is this possible? And he's like, dude, I crank on bolts with a wrench yeah. all the time. And I was like, that was like my first slap in the face of functional training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't even know that's what it was slapping me in the <laughs> face. And his muscles were smaller than mine. Yeah. But he was stronger than I, than I was. Functional strength. I know. And it was just this total like, oh, so bodybuilders aren't, they're strong without a question, really strong, but they're not as strong as like a, like a strong man is strong. Yeah. It's a totally different type of strength. Yep. They're big, but they're just big. They're not necessarily muscle big. Totally. Again, you know, they have big muscles, you know, but that really blew me away. It's like, wow. So I can get super strong and not look like a bodybuilder. 
And it's just like, yeah, you really can. And it's really a, a, a myth, a total myth that you're going to just show up one day with these big old beefy thighs. I mean, yeah. you, you may have a lot of fat on those thighs and put muscle underneath them. You're going to get bigger thighs. Mm-hmm. But if you have that nice balance, then yeah, you're going to be fine. Well, for, you know, traditional weightlifting, you see a guy put up, you know, 275 bench press. He's just really good at that, that action. Mm-hmm. He's really strong at bench press, but there's not really a functional comparative. No, he's to not going to be really good at like pushing over a fence per se. Because yeah. his feet have to be connected to the ground. It has to transfer through his legs, through his hips, through his core. It's a different, it's a different game. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be strong with the push, but yeah. what if you have no traction to get that push? Yeah. In a sense. To- totally different, totally different level. You know, we talk to our, our clients, they want to feel that sore, right? That's mm-hmm. how they feel like they got their money's worth. They got that bang for their buck. But when your muscles make... When, you're, when your muscles are, you do the same thing. You do a, just a standard bicep curl. And you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to lift any more weight. I've hit my hypertrophy. I don't feel sore anymore in my muscles. Like, what, that's why, talk about how changing just a plane of motion all of a sudden tweaks mm-hmm. in and adds something. So we've been doing just sagittal plane lunges, sagittal plane lunges. Like we talk about, we change our programming every quarter. And we just change that sagittal plane lunge to a lateral lunge. And all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, I can't feel my legs. Soreness, Yeah. It's crazy because the body is so specific. It's that, it's ultimately hyper-specific on what you do. And it's so, it's such, uh, it's such, <laughs> it, just, it kind of blows me away. It's so specific that you have to train very specifically. And if you don't, then you're missing out on a huge potential. And that's why the way that muscle fibers run and the way that you stress, uh, like a shirt, you mm-hmm. pull a shirt, you see the fibers being pulled and you see the lines that show up on that shirt. Well, that is a that is a very specific pattern. And the body learns that pattern. Just like how to throw a curveball is different than a knuckleball or swinging early to hit into, you know, left field if you're a right-handed batter or swinging uh, late in a sense. Mm-hmm. Ball goes the opposite side of the field. It's a very specific timing of how you fire muscles to pull on certain angulations. And it's so crazy because you can I actually realized that, like, wait a minute, we can bodybuild with three-dimensional movement. So yeah. Really, like, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is crazy. Yeah. Everyone's doing these, like, these hip bridges, which is not a bad exercise, you know? But, like, we can, instead of, like, putting a barbell across our hips and doing hip bridge, like, why don't we just do a single-leg stance, toe in, internally rotate the hip, do a type 1 spine motion on the same side, and we're, like, triplane loading on the glute. Best glute exercise I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. Crazy sore. Yep. And that soreness is just the body showing that it's doing something new. And to me, like, this is something I really try to educate a lot on, is that soreness does not determine a good or bad workout. It determines a different workout. Different tissue adaptation. Different tissue adaptation. And I'm going to go to so far to say is that getting super crazy sore is actually a bad thing. Yeah. It's actually an, an inhibiting thing. A little bit of soreness all right, you went a little bit beyond your body's threshold. Great job. You put a little, I mean, you made sure that your body adapted. Mm-hmm. But too much is literally too much. You're yeah. deterring your body's recovery, your body's next workout, your body's next movement patterns. You may actually create a movement dysfunction from soreness. Yeah. You have to therefore fight to get out of. Yeah. And we people have no idea. So I know that's my own little take. I had to throw that in there. No, don't get too sore. Absolutely. You go, I see Monday morning, people come in, they are ready to just destroy the gym. They're like, dude, 
Weekend's over. It's time to get back to work. Like, let's just get after it. Monday, you go 100%. Tuesday, you're like, man, I'm so sore. I'm working at like 75% today because that's literally all the capacity that I have because I'm so sore. And then they come back Wednesday. Now they're working at like 50% because, you know, again, on Tuesday, they're trying to just crush it, even though they're only at 75% capacity. And you just continue to deteriorate throughout the week. And then we don't end up seeing fitness gains. Would you say you start to see like, again, deterioration, quality, injuries, muscle fatigue, you don't see any gains because your body has no time to actually recover and heal. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because as a, as, a, as a coach or as a trainer, like you always want to max out. And a lot of times I'll find myself saying, all right, guys, let's, let's, let's push it. But really what I'm meaning is push to that threshold of that day. You yeah. know, it's like, okay, this is hard. I'm uncomfortable. That's pushing it. Yeah. That's to that level. It's like, can I go harder? Of course you can go harder. You can always go harder. But training hard is, again, you, you just described the scenario. You just get less and less potential every day of that week. And that was a huge revelation to me to, to realize that it's not how hard you work. It's much more about how consistent you work. Yeah. Because your body needs to adapt to environments. Well, how, what's an environment? Well, environments are fairly consistent versus crazy hard on Monday, do nothing until Friday. Yeah. And that's not consistent. The body's jumping around saying, what do you want me to be? You want me to be a desk sitter or do you want me to be a, a professional athlete? Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's, that's my take. Let's talk about uh, the difference between men and women metabolically and how we can help them achieve uh, their physique goals. I was yeah. trying to think of your made-up word earlier. Physique legal. Physique legal. But do men and women gain muscle and or lose weight differently? Yes. I think you just got to flat out say it. Men and women are, are different. I know it's hard to take in, but we're definitely different. Um, I think there's some pros and cons too, because a lot of people say, oh, men just have it better all the way around. I'm like, uh, you yeah. know. Maybe. I would love maybe. for you to elaborate this for, for us women on well, how, I, how you guys have it harder than we do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say harder. <laughs> I said pros and cons. <laughs> you just may have it better and easier than us on certain things. But so for A, men have testosterone. It's literally a magic drug. Yes. People inject it into their bodies to do all kinds of amazingly awesome things. Yeah. Just flat out. Yeah. Doesn't mean women don't have it. They do have it, just not as much. Yeah. So that's a big pro. A, men are just bigger, essentially bigger beings in a sense, not all cases. So therefore, more, more muscle mass, just more cylinders in, in, in the engine. Yeah. It's going to burn more calories. Yeah. Just flat out. So if I eat the same hamburger that you eat, we're going to both have a delicious time, but I'm going to burn it faster. Totally. Just, you know. Just science on, 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 or just math rather. Yeah. And then ladies, if you didn't know this, testosterone on average burns an additional thousand calories per day without doing anything, which is why your boyfriend, husband, kids, they can, that your dudes can eat that hamburger because their body will burn it just based off testosterone alone. thousand calories? Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll check that out. <laughs> I was like, I disagree with you. I just want to check that out. Uh, plus or minus, but <laughs> last last time I checked, it was plus or minus a thousand calories yeah. per day. But it's just true. It's just it's that kind of chemical. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be too big off the bats, right? Um, but you know, kind of, kind of, like men have a shape like a, a pear. If they get overweight, women have shape. Excuse me, men have shape like like an apple, big up top, skinny down down low. Women are more like pears in a you know, yeah, in a way to say it, big down low, skinny up up top. But the benefit of the female. 
I will say this, is there's a certain kind of athleticism that I really feel like women have, again, I have to generalize, they have much longer legs, longer legs, shorter tor torso. Men have longer torso, shorter, shorter legs. Again, I'm making general statements like apple and pear and stuff like that. Okay. And I really think that's a benefit in a lot of like agility type of, I don't know how to say agility type of things, but like in cardiovascular kind of dancing and all these amazing artful sports that I just think women perform better on because of their biomechanical makeup. I think we're getting at, we have a lower center of gravity. I think we have a, we have a better sense, uh, center of gravity. Mm, well, I would say, yeah, with the weight down low. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. But like dancing and like gymnastics, all the things like that, like, I don't know, like to me, the female physique just has that down, dialed. Fair enough. Fair so I, it's, to me, that's a benefit. One thing I think that we don't get enough education on as trainers is the hormone cycle and the ovulation cycle for women, too, that we never touch on, on why it's so hard for women to maintain a quality fitness program, because essentially two weeks out of the month, your, your hormones are completely out of whack and you just don't have the energy, which is why ladies, if you're listening or trainers who are listening, if you have female clients that come and they're like, I don't know what's wrong with me this week. Like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't have as much strength as I did last week. Nothing is different. I didn't change my diet. I didn't change my sleep. You're like, great. You're probably going through a hormone fluctuation. And that's a really important point that as a trainer in my green years, I had no idea. I mean, oh, totally. I knew, but I didn't know. You don't know how, how it plays into how we no. function. No. It's like, oh, it's just another bad week. Okay. I get it. Like, that was my ignorance back then. It's just about a, a bad week. Hang in there. Yeah. But no, it's so much more than that. <laughs> it's a lot more it's complicated so much more than, than that. that. So I apologize for all my past clients. <laughs> it's okay. For You're green. You didn't know. I, you I didn't, didn't know. know. No, I'm blaming, it. well, I'm blaming having four brothers. <laughs> it does give you a slight disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Would you say that a lot of women, you know, sorry, what would you say to women who are afraid of quote unquote bulking up? doing strength exercises or strength training. Don't be afraid. But why? Don't be afraid. Because it really goes back to the previous answer, you know, because you don't have that much testosterone because the setup of your biology is not designed as efficiently to build muscle. You certainly have muscle. You certainly become very amazing phys uh, physically. There it is again. You know, <laughs> types of women, but it takes a lot more effort. Um, that's just, I think that's my biggest, is that don't be afraid because it doesn't come easily for the vast majority of women out there. It takes big focus, big nutritional gains, um, and work, a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. And if, it, if you are the woman who says, gosh, nope, nope, that just happens to me, well, there are body types that just gain muscle a lot faster. But um, it's it's going to take so much volume, like I said, a lot of weight, a lot of rep repetitions, days in, in the gym to get that physique muscle build, the hypertrophy, Yeah. that you'll see it coming. Yeah. And you can, you can, you know, do a little zig or zag in, in your training program. You don't just wake up one day and be like, totally, my shirt doesn't fit anymore. Yes, you will have that body pump that all people get. Every, every athlete gets that kind of that, that blood pumping in that muscle that makes it bigger that you'll feel for a few hours after that workout, but that goes away. 
Yeah. So that, but that's not, again, that's how I almost share it all. It's like, yeah, you, you can, we can go to work on it, but don't let it scare you from yeah. starting or don't say, no, I don't want to do weight training in my cross training. You know, I just want to do dancing or bar or yoga. Cause I don't want to gain muscle mass. That's like, that's, don't worry about that. You'll see it coming. We can make a, a pivot. It's way worth it to start doing that versus not do it. Like, please weight train women, please. Yeah. But again, they may just think weight training is anything with a barbell or it looks like CrossFit. And that's not, that is a part of weight training, but that's a percentage. That's a small slice of the puzzle. One of our favorite tools, my favorite tools is using sandbells. Yeah. And, you know, heavy weight is, is individual, right? You know, 10 pounds might be some heavy for somebody, yeah. 25 pounds heavy for somebody else. So for most women that come into a gym, they look at the 25-pound sandbell and they go, gosh, that's so heavy. That's really heavy weight. I don't want to do squats or lunges with that on my shoulder. It also looks big. Looks big, right? But then how many clients are moms who carry their kids? And you say, how much does your kid weigh? I'm like, oh, 45 pounds. I'm like, Pick, pick up your kids. You pick up the bag of dog food at Costco. Yeah, and it's a dynamic 45 pounds. Yeah, it's moving. It's moving. It's like <laughs> trying to escape, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, for every mom who's had a toddler trying to fly out of their arms, like yep. <laughs> throwing themselves to the ground, you know, you need to have that kind of foundational functional strength to be able to control that mass momentum, that oddball weight, picking it up in different ways, shapes or forms. And I encourage women to be like, this is going to help you move better outside of that, especially when we listen to our clients who complain about back pain with picking up their kids or doing something that's more functional, getting, getting weights out of the car, getting groceries out of the car. And you're like, well, mm -hmm. if you don't ever train it, if you're constantly only lifting five-pound, eight-pound dumbbells, of course you're not going to get any stronger, and that's not going to benefit you when going to pick up your kids or do something like going kayaking or you know building that that muscle strength if you're just even adding extra load for hiking. Mm -hmm. How many moms throw their kid in their backpack? Right. Not, uh, sorry, a hiking backpack. The, yeah. the kid pack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to hike my pill, that's added load to your body weight. Yeah, and actually, you can actually get weaker if you train in a condition with lighter weights than what you're accustomed to at your house. Mm -hmm. You actually, your body says, oh, wait a minute, I don't need this much strength. Again, like the body's super awesome. What you give it is what it's going to say, okay, let's go to work. Yeah. I'll do that. And what I also like about it is most parents, because I, I do a fear of, uh, fear of holding my little children too, they're usually smaller than you are. So to pick them up, you literally have to do a clean. Yeah. And that's a power clean. You know what I'm talking about? Like from the ground, squat down, pick them up at around knee height, put them and swing them on up right around your shoulders yep. and hang on. Yeah. That's a, that's a hang clean at the very least. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you do that all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's kind of, it's just so fascinating how, how strong we are in certain ways. But then we go to this organized event called the workout in group training. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that 35-er. Like, yeah. No, that's pretty much what your little boy weighs. Yeah. Anyways, that's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm like. Weight training is a good thing. We need it. Osteoporosis is a real deal. Coming totally. around 50 years old for men and women, you know? Um, and your body needs that. It needs that strenuous loading through the bones. It doesn't take a whole lot. But it also you don't also need to go to a traditional gym and do like leg presses on a on an inverted squat rack you know it's like yeah you don't need that it's so much easier to, i don't know I'm, do you remember that commercial i can't even remember what the commercial was for and it was that 
It was like a grandfather who all of a sudden he finds his kettlebell in his garage. You love that. Right? Commercial. Like you want to cry watching that. Yes. But he's he starts out, he's, you know, he's dragging this kettlebell on the floor. He can't even pick it up. And then just slowly, day by day, he starts picking it up by the horn and doing a little press. And pretty soon he's like crushing it, do, getting after it, getting after it. The neighbor's getting looking after over it. the fence thinking, what is this guy doing? Yeah, I was like, what yeah. is he doing? He's so old. Like, how? why is he doing this? He's going, oh my gosh, he's going to hurt. Like, there's concern on their face for him. And then flash forward to the end and he goes and he picks up his granddaughter. Same exact motion. Mm-hmm. With the that he was doing with the kettlebell, but with his granddaughter, and he picks her up so that she can put the star at the top of the Christmas right. tree. Yeah. And that was just such the perfect example of functional fitness and uh, such a great example of how, you know, it, it's beneficial to strength train and beneficial to continue to do that stuff as we age because you get to a certain point, you're like, I want to be able to do that, but I haven't done anything like this for years and years and years. Yeah, right. You know, how often do we hear from our older clients, I just want to be able to play with my grandkids. On the regular. You know. On the regular. And, and not hurt themselves. Yeah, well, the crazy thing is, like, I want to be able to play with my kids. I'm in my mid-30s, and it's hard. <laughs> it's a lot of groundwork. It's hard. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm, you know, I'm being miserable at it, but, like, it's an effort. Going to the park and doing monkey bars and going down these small slides. <laughs> yeah. And then spinning on them those little round wheels, like... So you need strength training for that one. Totally. If anyone wants a little slice of humble pie, go to a, a monkey bar real quick and just try to go across if you're anywhere above the age of 30. Yeah. Yeah. A whole new ball game. Whole you, new ball game. You haven't prepared game. your body for it. No. Well, you, excuse me. You, yeah, you spent the last 20 years not doing it. Yeah. And uh, so I always try to hit the monkey bars every time there is one. Yeah. <laughs> and then, by the way, also go on swings because that is about the boat. That's like a, it's like a, it's like a kid's hammock. Yeah. Well, it's an adult hammock for for kids in a sense. That's a sorry, that's a tangent, but swings <laughs> are fun. Go on a swing. You gotta tap into your inner child. You do that like momentum swing. It gives you a thrill. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All good. All Continue good. on. We were talking about you know like what do you say to to women who don't want to strength train or to clients who don't want to strength train because it's not their ideal. But I, I heard this one too. And this is a big misconception. We'll talk more about BMI here in a second. But what about, I don't want to lift because I put on weight. Well, that's true because you do put on weight. And yeah, this is the real cool thing. And that, uh, and here's, a, here's a question. Uh, how much, well, let me ask a little bit. What weighs more, a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers? Trick question. Exactly the same weight. Ooh, nice job. <laughs> Right, but the perception that feathers are light and bricks are heavy, and the same well, muscle's heavy. It's yeah. a it's a dense, dense piece of tissue, and I really really like. And we almost got it here at Genasso. Was we literally got like a five pound um, piece of fat and a five pound piece of muscle. Yeah, and they're distinctly different. I love that sizes. image. Love that image. If you Google that and you're trained, like have that just handy in your phone, or like post that in your gym somewhere. Five pounds of muscle versus five pounds of fat. Yeah, and what it looks like. Yes. And that you're going to be like, uh, can we start strength training, please? Yeah. <laughs> because that's awesome. And this whole kind of, and this is, this is real, and I don't want to make fun of this, but the term skinny fat's real. Like, you can be really, really big, you know, like 250 plus pounds, but be a good percent muscle. Oh, Yeah. Good percent muscle athletes, like, professional re- athletes, right? right? Especially like uh, offensive line guys, they're 300 plus dudes, yeah, but they're mostly muscle, yeah. But then you can be this amazingly sweet, kind little teenager 
and be skinny as a rail, but you're soft. Yeah. Like silky pillow soft. Yeah. And that's really unhealthy. And it, but this perception of this whole thing. So like, yeah, if you want to, you know, you're going to gain weight by putting on muscle, but it won't look like it. And that's the cool thing about it. And I, I really hate to have people stand on scales because it tells a really bad story. It's like it met, you're measuring how much water's in your body. You're measuring how much hair you have on your body, how much your clothes weigh, what your f- meal was for that day. Oh, and by the way, you're measuring bone, your organs. Oh, but you think it, you're measuring fat. And you're, you're measuring everything mm-hmm. versus how your clothes fit. Mm-hmm. Or a good old-fashioned you know, flexible tape measure around your body. Yeah. That's like the best. I really, if people really want to, you know, they want to put on weight, but they want to look good, I, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I, uh, I invested, it wasn't even an investment, it was like $30 on Amazon, but uh, a body composition scale yeah. was so amazing. So, you know, we talk about professional athletes and we talk about like men's physiques, but for, for the female athlete physique, I've been told my whole life based off of BMI, body mass index, that I am borderline overweight or borderline obese. I am 5'5 five, five on a good day. And I fluctuate anywhere from like 138 when I'm real lean to 145, right? And that's like, it's normal to fluctuate too. Like we also have, like it is perfectly normal to fluctuate anywhere from five to 10 pounds. But I'm not obese. I'm not, I'm not soft and squishy. I am solid, dense muscle. Yeah, I'm a brick shit house. Like I'm perfectly (laughs) happy to say that too. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy that actually. Like I like being strong. But to hear that as as a female, as even like teenagers, we were having this conversation earlier, like having a teen, telling a teenage girl who's an athlete, hey, by the way, you're you're overweight, because mm-hmm. BMI, what it does, we don't know. BMI was actually started for, during World War II, as a way to quickly assess soldiers' health, for their height and their weight. So soldiers, World War II, we're talking mostly men, right? Yeah. Majority men, yeah. and that's a totally that's if the, not all actually. Yeah, and that's the 1940s. So think, and bodybuilding started the 60s? Mm, uh, pr- yes. Right? Fair right? Enough, Arnold kind of, yes, 60s, yeah. 70s. Lower than that, but yeah. Okay, so really good means. Took off, took yeah. off at that point. So we're talking about the 1940s when we're measuring height to weight ratio for men. <laughs> and it doesn't take into consideration muscle mass. It doesn't contain, Zero. take into consideration body fat percentage. Zero. And we still use it today. Or the sex of that individual. Exactly. Zero. And... And we're still using that today. Like mainstream using it. Exactly. Like, like your, your physician, your normal physician just comes in and is like, hey, based on BMI, you're overweight. Well, unfortunately, it's way beyond the physician. It's insurances, which yeah. pay the darn bill. You know, it's, yeah. So it's, it's actually, it's, if you're using the BMI scale, stop. It's, it's kind of useless at this point, especially if you're working out. I always say, and for myself, I check my body fat percentages. Because that's the best indicator of where you're going to actually see those gains. So if I'm putting on muscle mass and I see my weight go up, but I see my body fat body fat percentage go down, that's a big win. Throw a party. That's a big win. Like I'm looking better. I'm looking probably leaner. Mm-hmm. I'm less. I'm actually less bulky because there's less fluff. Right. There's less fluff and it's more lean, dense muscle. My clothes fit better. That's a much better indicator to track your, I think, health and wellness or how weight training is beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. I can see that number on the scale go down because I lose muscle mass and my fluff increases. That typically happens around the holidays for me. 
Like I will literally see that happen where, because I, you know, we work out hard all year, but Thanksgiving, I love to eat. I love to cook. And I, you know, I'm like, I'm going to take a break from working out. I'm just, this is my time to spend with family and to just chill. And I will literally see the scale go down, but my floof goes up. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, (laughs) it does, it goes up. All of a sudden your jeans are like a little bit tighter. Like, oof. All in right. the wrong spots in a sense. Yeah, and yeah. It's, you're like, you, it's not comfortable, or you're like, I'm going to wear that sweater today. And it's, it's just, everything's just fitting a little bit differently. And we wear a lot more sweaters in the winter, which therefore are baggier, bigger. Yeah. Like, you only really see yourself in your true self, maybe for a few minutes tops every yeah. day, versus wearing a t-shirt and some shorts. There they are, in a sense. Yep. Arms and legs showing out. So... I get you. And for those people who think, gosh, you know, a, those scales are not that accurate. It's like, no, no, no. They're very accurate. Consistently use the same accuracy standards, and you'll have a good change or a good delta change, you know, a good measurement. You don't have to get a hydrostatic weight or do all this thing like that. Those scales, even if it's off 5%, it doesn't matter. It's gonna, still going to change accurately. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. For to see change, like growth. Like, oh, yeah. who cares what the number is? Just make sure the number, the right number is going up and the right number is going down. Yeah. And stop stepping on the scale daily, please. Unless like, you have like a medical condition that you need to know that. No. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, I don't know anybody who steps on that scale in the morning was like, yes! You know, like, or or we get to that magic number. Like, we think we're going to get to that magic number and just be like stoked. But you don't live at that magic number, right? And if you're, especially if you're trying to see gains over over weeks, like, what, what would you measure at? Like, once a week? I strongly tell my clients, do not step on the scale for at least a month in, yeah. t- until, uh, into our training. Don't even look at it. Put it away underneath the bed. Don't even do it because it's just not worth it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, honestly, it's like riding the stock market. If anyone, you know, it's crazy on most days, but the very, if you take it long term, it's like, oh, it always goes up. This one, working out good diet, it's going to go down. Yeah. So daily, daily change is volatile. Long term is predictable. Yeah. And good reminder for, for people too, like when you say don't step on the scale for four weeks, don't step on the scale for a month, on on a good day, if you have a consistent strength conditioning program or just like you're trying to see physiological, physiological changes, you need four to six weeks to actually see those adaptations. Yeah, exactly. Like they say what? If not, if not double that. Yeah, 12, 12 weeks to see significant adaptations. They yeah. say like four weeks, your friends and family will start to notice, but you might not notice. Exactly. And then, you know, it starts to trickle from there. And then Very in 12 nice weeks, you're like, whoa. But mm-hmm. it, that's three months of consistent work. And you, I get it, bet a lot of people saying, gosh, that's a long time. It's like, not really. <laughs> it's April. Yeah, we weren't celebrating. You know, we were celebrating. Excuse me, January first in our mind's eye, not that long ago. No, you know, it's like oh, it's, I, you always hear it's already April. Yeah, it's, that's the same way the training and conditioning goes. Yeah, just make it fun. Yeah, if it's not fun, then yeah, then you just be miserable. Yeah, it's gonna be a long twelve weeks. Um, but yeah, the BMI thing is is really. Um, I kind of want to touch on it a little bit more because of how hard pressed our medical society gives it. Like that's health mm-hmm. and categorizing people. Yes, I get it. There's people that are obese. There's people that are underweight, significantly mm-hmm. underweight, and it's a it's a general way of doing it. But what we're teaching people is that health and fitness and wellness is general, and it's really not. Definitely not. It's really. I don't want to call it like rocket science. Science tree. Ooh, that's a new one. 
I love podcasts. You get to make up words and no one can stop you. But you're not putting a man on the moon, but it certainly is not simple. And it definitely takes, it takes knowledge. But some general guidelines that you can really go after, rest more, eat things that are alive, most than out of plastic boxes, and do a combination of flexibility, cardiovascular, and strength training, you're going to go far. Yeah. Going to go far. And no BMI is going to be like, oh, you're overweight or you're too, too thin. I yeah, just want to generally state that out there because I've been wanting a platform to use <laughs> to say that exact yeah. phrase for a long time. Yeah, it's wild. BMI is wild. I was even, um, even, even the program that I use on my scale. So cur- currently here, 29 weeks pregnant. But I think it, at like week 16 or 17, I got on the scale again just to see what my what my numbers looked like. And obviously my weight had jumped up significantly at that point. And it's funny because it tells you like where you're at, like, ooh, you might be overweight, you might be this, it might be that, mm-hmm. like yellow, 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 green, red for, you know, good, good, okay. And then like, nah, you're teetering into that. And what was funny is that my BMI numbers were like, hey, you're overweight. <laughs> my my muscle mass numbers were like, hey, actually you have really great muscle mass. Huh. And uh, but you're kind of overweight. <laughs> And then my body fat percentage was still, and for women, by the way, it's really, it's a challenge for us to be under 24% body fat. I was at like 21% body fat and it's like green. It's like, oh, you're in great shape. And I was like, so how can I be overweight in like three categories or unhealthy in three categories, but my body fat percentage is a-okay and like rocking. Because those sensors don't talk to each other. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's this total misnomer of how we equate weight to health. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, it's, uh, just the more I hear people like, how much do you weigh? How much do you weigh? It's, I, 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 I got that same question in high school. Like the question was like, you measured your, your health in high school by how much you can bench press. Yeah. And now it's just changed. Be like, how much, what, what the scale says. But in reality, it's, again, I'm going to emphasize this one. It's how you look in clothes. And if you like that, good for you. Yeah. Rock and roll. If you want to change a little bit, Okay, cool, right on. I think you were, uh, we asked people, like, why do you work out? I, remember, I, I won't name names, but I think you were pretty mortified the first time you heard somebody go, I want to look good naked. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we were getting some wholesome answers, you know, oh, I want to play with my kids, I want to do this, and then just, I want to look good naked. Which, like, yeah. You know what? That's actually pretty much the honest truth. Like, how often you hear, I got to get ready for summer. I got to get ready for this vacation. Yeah. Everybody wants to look good naked. I know, and that's crazy because you get ready for this vacation, you're eating so good, and then you go there. Because, like, that's my spot. Like, and I did that, uh, well, not last year, but the year before that. And you just hit that. You hit the whiskey hard, harder, you know, because you haven't drank whiskey in like three months. Yeah. You have like two shots, you have a little ice in there, and you're done. You have that nice, like, breaded fish taco with that cool sauce on there. You're bloated for four days. Oh, yeah. You don't terrible. The, you don't go number two for three days. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to figure out, why do I feel so crappy? Yeah. And why do I spend six months or three months, whatever, trying to get here just to feel like crap? Yeah. Uh, yeah that, I just find it so paradoxical, this whole, like, I want to go look good for vacation. And, and then just ruin and everything just that I just ruin did. ruin it day one. Because yeah. Because your body's saying, like, what? the F did you just put in your body? I mean, we could say the same thing for just a regular week. How many of us are really good Monday through Friday afternoon? (laughs) Good call in the afternoon part. Right, Friday afternoon. And then like, oh, you're like, oh, Friday night, Saturday. 
Sunday. And then like when people are get frustrated with not seeing gains and whether that's whatever your gains is losing weight, muscle mass, any of that, it's like, well, you spent two and a half days destroying your body. And then you're trying to do four and a half days of recovery, you know, making up for that. It's like, you, you can't do that. That's why we say 12 weeks, consistent 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, there are, there are a few different kind of diets, quote unquote, out there that, I mean, to me, there's a cheat day, like once a, once a oh, day. Oh, totally. I think that's fine. But again, I think what people need to be treated, like you eat whatever you want, that's still, rel- you know, that's so relative. Yeah. You know, it's like, you can't go be gluttonous. You can't just go put it down, you know, four or five Mai Tais. Like, they're, no. You know, it just, I don't know. It's like, it's so hard to put money in your bank but it's really easy to spend money. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the same principle. Yeah. You know, um, like you're going to have to put effort on both sides and just minimize a little bit. Have some fun. Get that ice cream at night creamery or whatever. Little little plug, plug for you guys. You know, like that's good, but that's like the cheat day. Yeah. Enjoy it. Well, and we could do a whole nother podcast on different metabolic types, like for each individual mm. and how you process it. Because, you know, if you've done paleo, if you've done keto, if you've done whole 30, and we, we know for a fact that one of those doesn't work for every single person, right? right? Like I did whole 30 and for 30 days, it was great. It was a great little, little clean out, great reset. And I kept up with it for a really long time. But as I mentioned earlier, I like to eat <laughs> and I was eating so much protein mm. and I was, I was looking a way that I didn't want to look all of a sudden. And I realized it's because I didn't have enough actually carbs in my diet. I was overeating protein to make up those calories somewhere because I was friggin' hungry. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and that didn't work. And I had to play around with actually figuring out what kind of diet do I need? Because some people, they're just better. They're better at processing carbs than others. You're blessed, by the way, if you can process, process carbs better. <laughs> You're just like, I can eat all this bread and be fine. I know. And I find it so interesting that different um, cultures, like different uh, different genes, right? Yeah, like this is a really cool book by by Western A. Price, that he goes all around the world, like people who eat mainly fish. Yeah, or they in the they're in like more grasslands, the Mediterranean they, diet. Yeah, they eat more of that, and it's like there's no good or bad diet. It just all depends on what that body's used to processing, and, and that's, what you're efficient at. Yeah, what you're efficient at, and it has to do with a lot about your environment and your chemical makeup from hundreds, if not thousands, of years of genetical processing. Well. See that again? Genetical processing. Man, I got to work on that. Actually, no, I'm just going to own it. That's fun. I'm going to keep doing that. Put it in, yeah, just put an L at everything I say. Um, But that process, like the body has all those things to take into consideration, and hence why diet is one of the uh, mysteries of this entire world. And we'll just keep on moving. All right. Any final thoughts on weight loss on bulking up, quote unquote, bulking up on building muscle mass, BMI. Yeah. The one thing that we do at Chipnazo a lot is movement training, right? We're not heavy, heavy, heavy on nutrition, like pounding people on the table, like, oh, you got to do this because the, and there's a reason for that because movement is not the most important thing when it comes to weight loss diet or food in is, but like, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to bulk up? Why do you want to get more muscle mass? Why do you want to lose fat mass? Hopefully it's because you can progress through your life with movement and activities better. 
So we come about as, well, let's move well no matter what. And then once we find that happening, what next can we do? Well, maybe you want to go to G3 a little bit more, which is our kind of higher level, more hypertrophy strength, little kind of wacko in a sense movement program. Or do you want to dial in with a nutritionist, you know, and really take that to the, to the next level? But what I like about the human body, or at least the human spirit, is that success in one thing produces the immense desire to continue to progress that. And it could be to look more like, um, what's the guy that, uh, the Thor, Thor guy, what's his name? Chris, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, stud. You know, you want to work like, look like him, or you want to look at the, like, the, like that sleek dancer where the case is and that's like a big thing that start with your success no matter where you want to go do something please and do it consistently and get your mindset to shift because that's really what's going on your body can do it your body can do amazing things it's just your mind that's saying "Mm, i don't know if i want it that looks hard or it's maybe not that worth it but it is worth it i'm a big big fan of that start with success and for us success is movement having fun moving so that's it. Lift some weights. Lose some weight. Don't listen to BMI. <laughs> and call us if you have any. Call us. Reach out to us if you have any questions. I have actually one more question. We look at different fitness facilities, and you can say they have a certain body type. Mm, definitely. Oh yeah. What would you say the average gymnazo body type looks like? Ooh. The average gymnasium body type looks like. Well, I'm going to go kind of in. Um, or it's a trick question. Well, I was going to give the answer of a decathlete. All right. Multifaceted. Multifaceted. Yeah. Because they got to be able to look like and throw like a shot putter. Big, big dudes. Yep. Big ladies in a sense. But they got to be. Uh, they got to be light enough to throw themselves off over a pole vault pole. Like, that's pretty light and feathery. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's that's my answer. Love it. I would say we actually, we don't have a body type. Ooh, even better answer. We don't have a body type. <laughs> what if you had to answer? <laughs> what if you had to answer? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have body types. We have movement types. Oh, that is a trick question. We have a trick, trick question there. But I think that uh, that's another important thing to talk about. Like, how well do you want to move? Is a, is a bigger question. A lot of people want to move really well. Not everything is always about physique. But we also, we have such Most a... Most things aren't about physique. We yeah. just make them into physique. Yeah. Sorry, it's like... <laughs> we have such a broad spectrum. We have, we have people who have that Olympic weightlifting look. We have mm-hmm. guys who get that hypertrophy look. We have your, your weekend warriors. We have your everyday Joes. We have your grandparents we have you know moms we have a whole slew of athletes that still come in that crush these workouts just to their different capacity levels multifaceted multifunctional multidimensional mm-hmm. and they just are good overall athletes they yeah. move really well right because if everyone looked like a bodybuilder physique builder right in the sense you know if a physique athlete wow we would have some pretty dysfunctional athletes out, out there yeah. And that's nothing against a physique trainer. No. You just, you just can't function very, very well in that. It's like, man, that's a trick question. I want to go back and change my answer. I mean, still <laughs> like my answer, but yours is a much better answer. It was a trick question. <laughs> this is the power of playing host. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But there's another good YouTube video, actually. It's, uh, it's this 
bodybuilder and he's got these friends that are just like, you know, dad bods don't work out and they're dying because they take a sticker and they put it on his like mid thoracic, like between his shoulder blades and he can't reach it (laughs) because he's so, he has such huge muscles. He's so bulky and he doesn't have range of motion. Like he cannot reach to get it between his shoulder blades. And then they go up to one of the dad bods, do the same thing, throw it between his shoulder blades. He just reaches back and grabs it. (laughs) But you know, the big guy's looking like, we can't get it. He keeps spinning around in circles. It's it's like great. It's like, yeah, that's pretty inconvenient. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed through the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.